morning. Greet each one in Christ's name this morning. Thank you, Lyle, for those songs, especially that last one that was a powerful song. I, when I looked at the title and the words, I thought, well, I don't know that I know that song, but as we started singing it, I remembered having sung it before. It's a powerful invitation for, for Christ by the Holy Spirit to come and fill us now. Oh, that we need that. I need that this morning. Welcome to our worship service. If you're visiting us, we're glad that you're here. I wasn't able to be here last week. Um, I had a head cold that took me out. It seemed like for a whole week I was struggling, and I still have just faint remnants of it. But uh, I appreciated the message. I, I did listen online, and and. Uh, and uh, I say amen. I would have said amen, amen if I would have, would have been here. Uh, I felt like uh, God was speaking to us. <clears throat> Jesus is returning for a bride. When he comes in glory, he's coming for a bride. And that bride will consist of the local churches like us here. Those that are faithful to him. Local churches will, will be the bride of Christ. He is coming for individuals maybe. But he's coming for a bride and that's not one person. That's a group of people, believers. And I, I believe that is why it's so important to be a part of the Bride of Christ, of, of a local church. And I'm not here to preach Lyle's message again, but I, I say amen. Uh, there's places like this that we live out the commands of Christ, how we, how we deal with the things that Christ taught us as He's changing us from the inside out, how we work that out. And uh, in Corinthians, uh, it says that uh, now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And that's us, talking about us. Each one of us is here for a reason this morning in this congregation uh, by the purpose of God. And everyone is important. That was my testimony from last week. Springtime brings energy and a burst of energy to the earth and to us as humankind, I believe. The warm winds and the pleasantness of the springtime invigorates us. And farmers start paying attention to the weather, maybe more than normal. And when can they start planting and things like that? Even those of us who are non-farmers are starting to think about gardens and, and, uh, and landscape or whatever. And uh, I... Oh, I Springtime is my favorite time of year, and I really enjoy it, and it's just around the corner, I can tell. The birds are singing, and, and uh, that's exciting. This morning, my, my message is on sowing and reaping. And I started, um, the Bible uses many metaphors on, for using the farmer and soils, and, and we have the parable of the soils, different types of soils, and the farmers and uh, vineyards, husbandmen of the vineyards. He, God used many times the parable of growing things and harvest time and, and all those kinds of things to get us to, to grasp concepts in the Scripture. And uh, the sowing and reaping is one of those. Proverbs 20 says that the sluggard will not plow for reason of the cold. In the springtime, he won't do it. It's too cold outside still. And then at harvest time, he suffers. And he doesn't have anything because 
the plant. Is there something to this law of sowing and reaping? And uh, <clears throat> we believe there is. We, we know that even the, in the physical, when we, you, you plant something, you plan to have a harvest. You work hard at something, then you're successful. It's this, this whole idea of, of sowing and reaping. And uh, it, it applies directly to our spiritual life as well. If I plant obedience to God... I can plan on reaping a blessing. And if I, if I don't, if I, if I plant disobedience, then there'll be just uh, a judgment. And um, we can plan on harvesting hardness if we, don't, if, we, if we plant disobedience. Two and a half years ago, I started a series and I called it Sowing and Reaping, the Law of Sowing and Reaping, and I, I never finished it. So it's been on my mind since then to finish it this morning, I'd like to do that. So as we get ready to, um, to do that, maybe we'll read the Scripture first and then we'll pray. Um, I want God to, I want to allow His Holy Spirit, we, we pray, God, send Your Spirit and indwell us now. I want His Spirit to be able to talk to us. So if there are things that are distracting you, just quietly in your seat pray that God would take that away and that you would be, you're not here to listen to me, but that God's Word would somehow speak to us this morning, and that by His Holy Spirit, we would become more like Him. That's our goal. If we are less like Him, then, then, then we won't make it at the end. When judgment comes, we want to be more like Christ. Um, our Scripture is going to be in Galatians 6. You can start turning there, Galatians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. This idea of sowing and reaping, <clears throat> in the spiritual sense, I, I felt like I saw in Corinthians, Paul talks about, you, some of you say you're, oops, sorry, that, that really made, that made it loud. Uh, some of you say that, that, that you're of Paul and some of you say you're of Apollos. And he says, who's Paul and who's Apollos? He said, there are some that, that, that plant and some that water and, and I would say there's some that cultivate and prune and and, and fertilize, and there's, there's people that are working in our lives and affecting our spiritual journey in many ways. But he said, but God gives, a, gives the increase. God's the one that produces the harvest in us. And that's the way I feel this morning. We, um, I felt like I saw a perfect picture of that about six years ago when we moved to Nicaragua. We had, we had moved down there. The church was a hurting church. There had been some that had left the church and we had one member, one member in the church, plus the missionary families that were there, and we were, we were brand new, and we didn't, you know, we didn't know what we were, we didn't know the language even, and uh, <clears throat> an old lady was the one member there, and it was, it could have been discouraging, but you know what, in a year or two years, I, I was going to count, but I don't remember, we had, we doubled and maybe even tripled, quadrupled our membership. And as I looked back, I thought, wow, God's really working. But I knew that it wasn't me. I had done nothing. And what I was saying was this thing of somebody had sown and somebody else had watered. And we just happened to be there when God brought the harvest. And that, that, that always has stuck with me when I, when I see that scripture that Paul talks about. 
There's times when we see the harvest coming and it, it's not us at all. It's God doing the work. And I saw that firsthand there. But God needs workers in His vineyard. He said the fields are white with harvest and the labors are few. Imagine being the farmer and seeing your field white, ready for harvest. And way down in the corner, there's one or two reapers. And you look at the field and you think, there is no way. There's so much of this grain that's going to go for waste to waste because there's nobody out there harvesting. And that's what God sees when He looks upon the world today. We need to be about doing His work, each one of us. Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 7. The whole chapter will be good to read, but I'm going to just start in 7. <clears throat> be not deceived. And the, and the Scripture is, is pointed and, and, and clear and concise, and there's no... He says, be not deceived, because as, as, as human beings, we often are deceived. We can be so easily led astray. God is not mocked. We will not pull the wool over God's eyes. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, what is the flesh? The flesh is our self. It's our own carnal desires or things that I want for me. As Ira would say, me, myself, and I. That's the flesh. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap reap life everlasting. There's two contrasting sowings going on here. It's one or the other, flesh or spirit. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall, we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we, we have this Scripture before us. And God, send Your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We can read it. We can analyze it and all those things. But if you, do not, if you do not put it in our hearts as You would wish to put it there, Lord, it's in vain. So we ask that You would stir us. Lord, where, where, am, I, where am I missing in this Scripture? And what, what am I doing that's to my flesh and not to the Spirit? Would You... Show yourself strong this morning. Go amongst us and uh, prompt our hearts. We give you that freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I want to make a note that every decision that we make in life, every decision, and some of these, the, some of this, the first portion here of my message is from two and a half years ago. I'm just going to rebring some of the points back that I had then, and then we're going to close out with some maybe more practical examples of, of what sowing and uh, areas where the law of sowing and reaping affects us in our daily life. Every decision, no matter how large or how small, is important. It may, even the small ones develop a pattern of thinking and a pattern of, of, of how we process life to where when we come to the big decision, the little ones have already pointed us in a direction that we're going to choose from. Every one makes a difference. That's the sowing that we're doing. Every decision that we're making is sowing a seed. And, and, and what happens to me in my life, maybe I don't like what's happening to me in my life right now, but everything that's happening to me is an outflow of those decisions that I've made in the past. The sowing that I've done, the seeds that I've planted are what I'm harvesting now. 
We wish that it weren't true. But the Bible says, don't be deceived. You will harvest what you plant. And so we have to be careful. The law, this law of sowing and reaping doesn't have to be a negative. We often think of it as a negative. Oh, I do bad things, I get bad harvest. It can be a positive thing. It can be sowing good seeds in God's economy, and we reap rewards and blessings as well. It can be a good thing. I had four points that I, uh, from the previous message. One is that, that we harvest only that we've planted. Only what we plant is what we harvest. We don't plant... If we, don't, if we don't plant, we don't harvest, but also we don't have to plant, we don't have to harvest what our neighbor planted. And uh, sometimes we, we look at our circumstances and I don't, we think that to ourselves, I don't deserve, this is hard, life is hard, I don't deserve this, but, but what have I been planting all this time? And uh, we, we don't plant tomatoes and expect to reap strawberries, it's, we have to consider what am I planting we only harvest what we plant. Second Corinthians 9 says, But this I say, He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. So when we sow sparingly, that's what we're going to reap. We're going to reap sparingly. And uh, if we sow to the spiritual things then the, our spiritual life will suffer, the harvest that we have. We look at our society and consider the, the, the father absence and, the, and the, the seeking of pleasure and sports and all the things that are happening in our society, their intolerance towards God or Christianity of any sort. The sowing that's happening there is a, there's a reaping coming. The seeds that are being planted, the harvest will be difficult. We harvest only that which we plant. And we harvest in kind. Point number two was we harvest in kind what is planted. It says whatsoever. In, in, in Ephesians here it says whatsoever a man whatsoever a man soweth that he shall reap. It's very specific. If we, if we sow to the flesh we'll reap of the flesh. Corruption. When we sow seeds of selfishness, we reap an awful harvest of, of brokenness, disaster, and corruption, and pain. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall, shall, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Sow good things, and you'll have good harvests. Good choices lead to good results. Point number three was that we harvest in a different season than when we plant. We shouldn't be weary in well-doing because in due seasons we'll, we'll reap. And that's one of the deceiving things of, of the harvesting, this whole cycle of sowing and, and reaping, is that, that Satan tells us, oh, you sowed, he reminds us that, oh, you, you, that was not good, and nothing happened. And we think, oh, I might have got away with that one. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. There is a sowing, there's a sowing time and a reaping time, and they're at different seasons. That the seeds, sometimes it's instantaneous, obviously, but there are times when those seeds need to mature. Comes the harvest, and then comes the the results. And say the odds, but you haven't. You don't. You won't get away with it. And many in their youth have sown their wild oats, 
and thought they got away with it. But then came a different season, a different a harvest time, years later, and that harvest was a bitter one. Psalm 9 says, The, jo- the Lord is known for His judgment of, for, by the judgment which He executeth. The Lord is known by the judgment that He executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of His own hand. What it's saying is the Lord is, He is known. He's famous for the way He punishes the wicked. We cannot expect us to escape if we, if we, if we sow seeds of self and, and of the flesh. We harvest in a different season. Point number four was we harvest more than what we plant. And this is good for the farmers. If they were to plant one kernel of corn and harvest one kernel of corn, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But they, 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 they harvest an entire cob of kernels. And uh, that's the point. At the same time, God blesses. He, he presses down, overflowing are His blessings. And when we plant, we can expect to, to reap, to harvest more than we, we've planted. The, the harvest, that's why the harvest is so hard sometimes. If we plant into the flesh, it seems like it never ends, this harvest. But if we plant to the good, the blessings can overflow and, and, and be part of our lives as well. A man by the name of Robert Stevenson said this, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap. In other words, you think, oh, this is just awful because I had a really bad day. Don't, don't judge the day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you've sown, the, the seeds that you planted that day. That's how you judge your day. I planted some good seeds today. I know someday I'm going to reap a good harvest. So getting more practical now this morning. This law of the harvest And this law is not a law like, maybe like uh, uh, a law that the government puts out that no, you know, you only drive 55 miles an hour as in a law like that. But it's more like a law of gravity where it's a law and you don't even, it's just this is what happens. It's a law. And, uh, and uh, are we paying attention to what we're sowing? I have several areas. I have, I believe, eight areas of where this law is applicable. And uh, one of those areas, the law of the harvest pertains to the law of Scripture. The law of Scripture. And what I mean by that is, Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is, meaning His Word, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The, the Scripture is maybe one of the most vital things in our lives, and yet it's maybe one of the things we neglect the most. We've heard for years, read your Bible. Read your Bible daily. Do you have your daily devotions? And, and are we doing that? Are we sowing in that area? Because if we're not sowing seeds in that area, then the harvest that we, we get is, is, is dryness and desert. I've been there. Am I sowing God's Word into my heart so that I can be like the psalmist? Is that Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee? That's the, that's the sowing and then the reaping. The, the sowing was, was putting the Word in my heart. The reaping is I was not, I'm not sinning against God. 
sowing and reaping in, in the area of Scripture. Moses, I find it interesting that Moses to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, as they, as they um, heard the law, it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 8, it says, Thou shalt bind them, the word, God's words, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they should be like as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them on, upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. Everywhere they were, the word was with them. Everywhere they looked, when they went through their gate, when they went through the door of their house, the word was there. Keeping it close to them. That's the idea. Was God's word was ever before them. The law of Scripture, sowing Scripture in our hearts. God knew that if they would forget His word, if we forget His word, then we're going to forget God. And as other things crowd in, they'll take the place of God. One of the most important areas for us to consider is how are we sowing God's Word in, our, in myself, in my sphere of influence? Am I sowing words of Scripture in God's, God's Word? The psalmist uh, said this, I, worship, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness for, and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. We know that by the name of Jesus, we're saved by the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And here he says, thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. God's word is powerful. And we need, to, we need the law of sowing and reaping happens in, 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 the, in Scripture. Number two is the law of worship. It is clear that God will share His glory with no other. There's no other God that He will share His glory with. The children of Israel, as they marched towards the promised land, God went before them and fought for them. I, I, I can't imagine how that must have been, to see your enemies confounded and fighting each other or falling dead because God was working and fighting for you. How that must have been. But there was a requirement that God had of them that their hearts would be fully devoted to Him. There would be no other, and that was the, what He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. That's the only way this is going to work. You have to make a commitment that there are no other gods before Me, and then I will fight for you. And God, this, God is still in this, in this category, He still feels the same way. We cannot have another love other than Him. If we have another love, He knows it. He know, we cannot hide this. He is not mocked. We cannot somehow trick Him by coming to church. In Exodus, He says, Thou shalt not bow thyself, down thyself to them, in Exodus 20, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Another scripture says, My name is jealous. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God being jealous is different from, from us being jealous. Excuse me. <coughs> when I'm jealous about something, when I envy something, it's something that I, that's not mine. I'm jealous because I don't have something that somebody else has. Something that's not rightfully mine. But God 
Well, we are his creation. We are rightfully his, and he is a jealous God when we don't when we when we worship something else other than him. Do I make God first in every area of my life? When I make a decision, do I think about what what that entails in God's kingdom, in his in his economy? Do we we reap consequences when we don't have God first and we worship Him as Lord and God of our lives. Point number two. Point number three is the law of parenting. Law of parenting. There is, there is sowing and reaping that happens in the, in the life of a parent. And Kendall is doing a topic on this. I don't want to step into his territory. We have a lot of young parents here at, at Sandy Ridge, and that's, that's wonderful. Parenting, parenting is a big deal. It's a, it's a full-time job. There's a lot of sowing and reaping that happens in parenting. Proverbs 19, chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Being consistent in our training at home and away. Don't be, don't be embarrassed that you have to, if your child is, if you need to be consistent, then you just be consistent. We're okay with that. Because it's important. I remember as a young father working with a man that many of you would know, uh, he, uh, he would quote a scripture and he would say, he would say um, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, thou shalt beat him with a rod. And I was like, there is no way that scripture says that. So I, enough that I, I went home and I searched the scripture. Surely it doesn't say that. Well, it does, actually. Now, those are two different verses but it does say that foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. You can look it up, Proverbs 22 and Proverbs 23, thou shalt beat him with a rod. Of course, there's uh, some discretion needed here. But there is a time, when we're, when, especially when they're young, that we train our children. And it takes consistency and it takes prayer and it takes work. And it seems hard. But... The Jimmy and the Susie that, that refuse to pick up their toys are the Jimmy and the Susie that, that will not respect you when they're 18 and 19. And there's, there's a lot of things that we as fathers and mothers need to, to sow during those early years in order to reap a good reward. I've learned a lot as a father. And now that my children are teens and beyond, I realized there was a lot more that I could have learned, things that I did wrong. Sow good seeds with your children and the harvest that will follow you for the rest of your life. A quote from James Dobson goes like this. He said that when you encounter your child's will, win and win decisively. The law of parenting and the law of sowing and reaping in our parenting. It's important. The law of marriage, number four. Another area of sowing and reaping in our marriage. God says you don't, you don't pay attention in, in this area, you will reap trouble. Ephesians 5 says this, nevertheless, Ephesians 5 is where it says, uh, ye husband's Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, every one of you in particular, 
so love his wife even as, even as himself. Well, what does that mean? You know, because well, how do you love yourself? We make sure we're getting taken care of, don't we? Normally, us men, we, we, we uh, you know, what makes me happy? The things that I like. We, t- we make sure that we get taken care of ourselves. We place high value and importance on, on our own comfort. And here the Scripture says that that's the way you should be taking care of your wife. Treat your wife like that. How are we doing in that category? Scale of 1 to 10, are you, a, are you 8 or 9 or are you 3 or 4? Taking care of your wife the way you take care of yourself. That's what the Scriptures, that's the sowing that we're doing day by day. And the wives are not out of the picture either. It says, it goes on and says, and, wife, and the wife see that she reverence her husband to respect him. And I find it interesting here in this word reverence is the same word uh, that he uses in, earlier when it says that we should fear God. It's, it's a reverence as in, it's a respect. It's a tall order. And uh, we men know that we rarely deserve this kind of respect. But that's what God has asked for the ladies to do. Most men, I wrote this down in my notes here, most men know inside we are deeply flawed. <laughs> we know we are deeply flawed. We're broken and it's by God's grace that we're, even, that we're even here today. And God needs to fix us. We know it already. So ladies, it's okay to be honest with your men. But don't nag at him all the time about his flaws. We know it. We know we're broken. And we know that we need to grow. And, but the tendency, the female tendency is to get all wordy about it. And um, we've, you've tried that and it doesn't work. We need, we need time and space to get it right. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.1. Likewise, ye wise be subject. Be in subjection to your husbands, that in, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word, without a word, be won by the conversation, the lifestyle of their, of their wives. Live as God wants you to live. And we'll see it, and we'll know it, and we'll be, we'll be guilty before God for it. So the law of marriage, it takes a lot of work. But it's of uh, the rewards are are worth it. The law of speech, number five. The law of speech, Ephesians four says, "Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth." There's so much power in our tongue. As children, we heard the saying. I remember hearing the saying: "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never." How does that end? Words will never what? Hurt me. I don't know who came up with that saying. That is the, that is the worst saying I think that has ever propagated in, amongst children. Words do hurt. They do hurt. That couldn't be further from the truth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And how many times has it happened? Fathers, we can, we can humble in our families, we can humble our children, and sometimes they need, to be, they, need be, they need to be set down, put in their place. Maybe they are out of line, but the damage we do with our words is sometimes beyond. 
I've done that. Our lips, our speech should be seasoned with grace, gracious words coming from our lips. And there may be a time and a place where we need to sit our children down and talk to them in the process of sowing good things in our parenting. But we don't do it with, with words that, that, that cut and that bring death. It should be life. The law of speech. The way we talk. The way we uh, communicate has results and it has reapings that happen. Number six is the law of work. We're, we're a people that, are, that we know that when you work hard, there's rewards in the, in, the, in, the, in the financial, in the physical world. And Scripture does say that, that in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, this we command you that if, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Note it says if he would not work. Not if he cannot work, but if he would not, he can, but he won't, then he shouldn't eat. That's different from cannot. We know, we know this law. And our government, who takes, seems to gravitate towards anything that is anti-biblical, opposite of Scripture, they seem to have this wrong. They've, they, they have, they have uh, created a dependency on, from people, that, from their handouts. And the process, in that process, our nation has become a nation of of slothfulness. But the Scripture, the the law of work, getting out there with our hands and doing something, we should be working rather. It says, work as unto the Lord, not as men pleasers, but as unto the Lord. We we know this this law. As as Mennonites, we know that hard work is rewarding. And you work hard and and there's, there's a reward at the end, a law of sowing and reaping. I have two more points. This morning, the law of conflict. What is the law of conflict? What sowing and reaping happens in conflict? Conflict seems inevitable. It seems like through life, we, 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 there just seems to be conflicts at some point. And what does the Bible say about it? In Matthew 18, it talks about this, how we deal with conflict. Moreover, brother, if, if a brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault. Between thee and him alone, it says. If he shall hear you, you just gained your brother. Isn't that awesome? You gain your brother if he listens to you. But we procrastinate. Sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years. We don't go and talk. Because we fear. Because we're afraid of how they'll respond. And all this does is it's festering on and on. So what are we sowing in those times? We're not sowing what the Scripture calls us to do. We carry those things like a backpack, like a backpack strapped on, and it becomes bitterness, and it becomes heavy, and we lose our joy. You ever been around someone that, that afterwards you think, well, they were not pleasant to be around? That's a very good chance they have a backpack of bitterness and unforgiveness in their life. And there's another side of the coin on the law of conflict. That's if, if someone trespasses against me, but what if I've trespassed against someone else? If I offended someone, then I'm also to go, um, leave, my, leave my sacrifice at the altar and go and make that right. That's the other side of the coin. Seek to make it right, 
But don't defend yourself. If you sow seeds of defensiveness in this field of conflict, if you're sowing defensive seeds, then most likely you're going to reap resistance and distance. People will resist what you have to tell them, and they don't want to be around you. And you're harvesting the crop that you've planted in the law of conflict. And then there's the law of forgiveness. If I go through life making, trying to make people pay for what they've done to me, then most likely I'm the one that's going to be, a, be the one that's paying. But the law of forgiveness. There's so many scenarios here where we, where we can question what, what does God want us to do in forgiveness. But I would like to say that nearly all of us have surrendered our lives at some point to Christ. And we've sought His forgiveness. God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I, have, I need Your forgiveness. We realize that we need a Savior, and we're, we come broken to Him. And He forgives us. Colossians 1 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And we surrender and make Him Lord of our lives. And we, we feel wonderful about that. That is a good thing. But on that day, in accepting His forgiveness, we have... In essence, we've given up the right not to forgive someone else. And he's serious about it. In Matthew and in Mark, he talks both scriptures. He says, but if you do not forgive, if you do not forgive, now that you're his and he's your Lord, if you do not forgive, then, then neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. We've given up the right to keep that grudge. There's so many scenarios, so so many what-ifs. What if I ask them to forgive me and they just tell me to get lost? We need to move on. You still forgive. Maybe they never ask for forgiveness. Do I have to forgive them then? We need to forgive, even if they never ask. You still forgive. By God's grace, you release them. And you don't necessarily have to tell them. You don't have to go tell them, I forgive you. I have forgiven you. You just do it before God. Because forgiveness is like a freedom. And keeping it, unforgiveness, is like a prison, like a chain that binds us. It's like a cancer that grows within us. And it affects us spiritually and physically and psychologically in, in so many different areas. Corey Tenboom tells the story of meeting one of the guards and that in her time in prison, he was one of the guards that, that the, the Germans had over them. And later on, when many, many years later, she met him at one of her times when she was giving a speech, giving a talk. And he came up and says, do you remember me? And it took a while, but then she, she, she remembered him. And he said he'd become a Christian and he wanted her for... He says, one thing I prayed to God for was that, that he would take me to... To one of the people that I, uh, that I hurt, that I could ask them for their forgiveness. And he, here she was. And he was asking for her forgiveness. And she said that instantly her heart said no. That I can remember, she could remember her family being tortured by guards like him, maybe even him. And she, no, absolutely not. But at the same instant, God got a hold of her heart in that, in that very moment. And she remembered... That, that God took her in. 
and he forgave her. And now his requirement is that she forgives others. And at the same instant when she said no, then also the, it came to her that she needed to swallow her pride. And she, she needed to forgive. And she, she said that she took his hand and shook it and said, I do forgive you. That's the power of forgiveness. And she released him from that pain. Forgiveness releases us from bondage. Sowing and reaping. We're doing it daily, every day. We're sowing something and eventually we will reap. And if we're sowing good seeds, then we can expect a good harvest. And if we're not, then the time will come. There will be no crop failure. God will bring the harvest that we have sown. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. You're a gracious God, and you can, you can help us along the way. And if we've sown seeds of distrust or, or, or bad seed, you can sometimes help us through those harvest times. We need your help in those times. But you're such a gracious God, and when we sow good seeds, you give us good and bountiful harvests as well. So help us, Lord, to do that. Help us to consider day by day as we sow what we are sowing. Is this a good seed? And to uh, be mindful that you are watching over us as our Lord. Commit this message to you in Jesus' name. Amen.